Thank you. Hello, everyone. Firstly, I'd like to wish every one of you a happy new year. We are indeed at the beginning of a new year, but also at the beginning of a new decade. And it's 2020. So, of course, we're talking about vision, 2020 vision. Well, for the last number of years, we've been thinking about vision and our vision hasn't changed. I think most of us will remember three words, knowing, growing and going. But this year, we want to highlight six priorities that we're going to be working with. This week, we're going to talk about two of those. And then next week, we have four priorities from our vision statement that we want to share with you. All of our vision is also uh, covered by our values. And we believe that we want to be a church that carries very important values. So today, we're going to be looking at knowing and we're going to look at two issues. The first is multi-ethnicity. We believe that as a church, we need to be diverse and inclusive. And so we're going to talk a little about being a multi-ethnic church. And then secondly, we want to highlight discipleship because we believe that every one of us needs to be a disciple of Jesus following him. And so we're in for a great day. And we're talking of 2020 vision. Have a great, great day. So Lucy's going to speak to us. Let's pray for her. Thank you for Lucy, Father. Thank you that you provided everything that we need, Lord, uh, in, uh, in this church. So we pray your anointing upon her, Lord, and upon our hearts and ears to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning. Everybody awake? Great. So we've heard exciting news ongoing about uh, Lincoln North. Don't worry, the lights were supposed to do that. Um, and you have on your seats a vision document for 2020, or it's probably under your seat by this point, I'm sure, because nobody wants to sit on it. Um, please take it home and uh, read it. I just wanted uh, to start by talking a bit about vision. When uh, a couple of uh, months ago, the, la- the location forum got together with Howard and we prayed about what we felt were our priorities for 2020 as a location. And then subsequent to that, actually, the vision core team got together and prayed about their priorities for 2020. And what was quite interesting was that those two priorities actually meshed really well. So when we're talking about these six priorities for the year, the ones we received in Wyndham were very similar to the ones that they received for Alive as a whole. If we look at our vision statement, the sec- I'm just going to read a bit from the second paragraph. We see Alive as a knowing church, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church who value all people ensuring everyone is given an opportunity to know Jesus. We see a body of people who carry the heart and ethos of the church in all age ranges. We see alive as a church of character and humility where every person sees the mission of Christ. Every paragraph in our vision actually starts, we see. And of course, with the year 2020, what better 
what better image to have than an optician's chart, which is going to come up behind me. 2020 vision. I bet we're not the only church that is talking about 2020 vision this morning. And an optician's chart has, and I'm going to read the explanation so I don't get it wrong, figures based on the standard sight test. The top number refers to the distance at which the chart is viewed, 20 feet, and the bottom number, the 20, refers to the distance at which a person with ideal vision can see a letter clearly. What an optician is testing is your vision at a distance and the clarity with which you can see close up. And as we get older, we end up with very focals because we can't see either very clearly, which is what I've got. But actually, those two things of distance and clarity also have a spiritual context. In the body of Christ, we need people who can see where we're going, who have vision for the future. But we also need people who can work out the practical steps to get to that place. It's fantastic to have a vision of what's going to happen by the end of 2020. But if we don't have people who are going to say, right, well, how do we do that? What do we need? In a practical context, we're never going to get there. So we need, spiritually, we need to be able to see our destination, but we also need to see the route that we get there. And everything, in everything we're doing, we need to be wearing our spiritual glasses, which is, of course, seeing everything through the lens of Scripture, of the Bible. If we don't plan with the Bible in mind, we are never going to achieve God's will for our location and for our life as a whole. So to see it with distance and clarity, we need everybody involved. Ephesians 4 says, It was he, the ascended Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is what is sometimes referred to as the five-fold ministry. You need everybody in it together to function. And notice that the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers are there to prepare God's people to do the work. They're not there to do the work themselves. We have a location forum in Wyndham. We have Ian, we have Matthew, we have myself, and in December we welcome Barbara onto the team. But we as four people can't do the work of God's people in Wyndham because we need all of you. We need our location forum, but we need our champions. We need people who are focusing on prayer. We need people who are focusing on our make a difference where we give into mission, the work of missions. We need people who are focusing on the one event where we all gather together. We need people who are, whose special area of interest is kids and youth and women and men and all those different ministries. We need Daphne leading butterflies for us. So as I am speaking this morning, do you know what your gifts are? God wants us as a church to see forward and clearly. But we need everyone operating in the gifts that God has given them to do that. We, as a body of Christ, do not leave the elbow behind as we move forward. You know, if you see a body walking down the street with an ear missing, you know there's something missing. You don't think, oh, the ear's just having a break. As a body, we have to go forward together. 
This week, our focus is on multi-ethnic and discipleship. Multi-ethnic is one of our values as a church. It speaks about inclusivity, diversity. And why do we feel that's so important? It's because it is how God sees his church. If we look in Revelation 7, we read, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing round the throne and round the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. This is a vision of the church that is to come. It is diverse but it is united in its worship of me, of Jesus. And why is diversity important? Well, first of all, diversity means that you get bigger. If we had a homogenous church, a church of people just like me, there is a limit to how big that church is going to get. Actually, it's probably a church of one. You can't have a church that grows if you don't embrace diversity. We can only get so big if we start limiting who comes in. And Jesus told us to spread the good news to the whole world. He told us to love everyone. He didn't say, spread the news to all those people you feel you've got something in common with. It's harder, but it's worth it. Diversity is necessary for our growth. The second thing that's necessary is for us to be united in diversity. Wrestling with your differences brings people together. I have much closer friendships with people I've had massive rounds with than with people that I've just sat and agreed with. Because when you wrestle with your differences, you get closer. You have honest conversations. You share your heart. You learn to agree to disagree sometimes. But you know each other far more deeply. And this is not the way that the world, li- world deals with difference and diversity. I will never forget going to University of California. And my first morning, I walked into the cafeteria and I was shocked. Because I was told that America was a melting pot. And America welcomed everybody. And I walked into that cafeteria and there were African-Americans here, and there were Hispanic-Americans here, and there were Asian-Americans there, and there were the members of the basketball team there, and there were the nerds there, and they were all in their separate groups. Nobody was joined together. The world tells us that diversity and difference means separation, and you should be afraid of people who are not like you. But the Bible tells us that we are the body of Christ, that we are all different and we all need to be different. 
because an ear is not an eye, is not a foot, is not an elbow, is not a pancreas. If you feel you're the pancreas, please put your hand up now. And when we're talking about being united, we don't just, multi-ethnic, we're not just talking about race in Wyndham. We're talking about ages. We're talking about abilities. We're talking about classes. We should all come together and be united. And how do we do this? We do this by being Jesus-centered. The reason the world cannot bring unity and diversity is because they don't have Jesus at the center. When the church is diverse, we need to focus on Jesus. We need his help to work together. We need his help to love each other. Sometimes it's difficult. I don't know if anybody else has been told, I don't like you, but I love you. But I've heard that being said before. God's greatest commandment is to love God and to love each other. And if you are loving everyone no matter their differences from you, then you have no room for pride. You have to get over your pride. You have to humble yourself and seek God's will above all others. And if we are a fully functioning, diverse body of Christ, as it said in Revelation, this increases our praise as we see what God does through us. It's not a natural thing in the world for different ages, different races, different tribes to work together but in the church we can do that and then as psalm 96 says we declare his glory among the nations his marvelous deeds among all people if we reflect the diversity of the world we can reach the world because we each have ideas we each have the language that different parts of Wyndham speak And we need us all to work together so that we can reach people out there. So we need to be multi-ethnic. But we are not called to simply follow behind. We are called to discipleship. Disciples are not followers. If you are following somebody, like follow the leader, you're just copying them. If you're a disciple... You are learning, you are training, and then you go out and you teach others what you've learned. You make disciples for yourself. Discipleship is about long, lifelong learning. What did you learn last year? What did God give you a new revelation on last year? And what do you want him to, le- to teach you in 2020? We should never get to the point where we feel we've got it all sorted. We know everything. Because if our God is that small, how can he supply all our needs? The more we learn about God, the bigger he gets, the more able he gets, and the more worthy of worship. Jesus said that if we hold to his teaching, we really are his disciples. And then we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And our first um, sermon series of 2020 is going to be about bringing Jesus into every aspect of our lives, emotional, physical, spiritual. And I really do urge you all to come because it's going to be amazing. Lifelong learning is like peeling an onion in reverse. Every time you peel a layer, it gets bigger inside and bigger inside and you learn more and more and more. 
And we show our discipleship, not only with the fact that we carry on learning, but because we have Christ-like character. If you spend time with people, they rub off on you. A couple of years ago, Matthew pointed out that I'd started calling everybody babes. Babes is not my natural way of referring to people. I grew up in Hampshire. I call everybody darling. I managed to stop it recently, but that's what I used to do. When I was a child, we'd all call each other darling. And I started calling babes. Matthew's like, where's the babes from? It's really embarrassing when you refer to your pastor as babes in an idle moment. And then I realized that I was spending a lot of time with someone who I won't name. And they called this, they called everybody babes. And I had spent so much time with them recently that it just, I caught the habit. Well, it's a pretty innocuous habit to catch. But the more time we spend with Jesus, the more time we're going to be like Jesus. I don't think Jesus calls everybody babes, though, so you don't have to do that. Don't worry about that. And how do we spend time with Jesus? Basically, don't wall him off into 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. Everybody's aware of Jesus this morning. We've been singing, we've been praying, and now I'm talking about him. It's really easy to get into our cars, go to Waitrose, and that's it. God's off for the week. Pray. Talk to him as you're driving, as you're walking, as you see an amazing sunrise, as you see a fantastic tree, as you get a parking space. Whatever it is that reminds you that God loves you, talk to him, praise him. And remember that God is love and we are known by our love. The more we love people, the more we know that a Christ-like character is rubbing off on us. And finally, our discipleship is demonstrated through our obedience. I used to go to a church where the priest's sermons were always the same. He would say, this is the story about Jesus we read in the gospel. Jesus told us to do this, go and do it. It's brilliant. Listen to what Jesus is telling you. Go and do it. Don't say, oh, well, yeah, but you've got to understand that you want me to love this person, but they're actually really irritating. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say, love your neighbor except the annoying ones. It says, love your neighbor. The Bible tells us to speak, to talk to God. It doesn't say, talk to God when you feel like it. Talk to God. I had a right old row with God yesterday, and I felt better for it. And then he told me to calm down and get on with it which is generally what he says when you're having a right old row. But go to him no matter how you feel. Talk to him. Obey what he says. Jesus told us that whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. He did not promise us a life where we take up a nice bouquet of flowers and a box of chocolates and follow him. He told us to take up a cross. Obeying him is difficult sometimes. Sometimes everything in you wants to scream and shout, and he's telling you to be calm, peaceful, and love. But it's worth it. Every time you obey him that little bit more, it's easier and you become more like him. Paul wrote about this. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, for I may gain Christ 
and be found in him. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press onwards towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. So often the things that we are valuing and clinging on to are garbage. They're garbage. I've got stuff in my life that God is saying, that's garbage. Get rid of it. Why are you spending so much time on it? Get rid of it. We need to simply follow Jesus. Do what he says. Turn away anger with a gentle answer. Love your enemies and be disciples. Keep learning. How do we do this? We have connect groups. Join a connect group. If there isn't a connect group at the right time for you, come and talk to me and I'll get you all together and you can start your own connect group. Meet people for a coffee. Ask them, I'm struggling with this. What do you think Jesus would say to me? Talk to people about Jesus. Don't just wall him off on a Sunday morning. We are being called to welcome everyone so that we can tell everyone about Jesus and the love and forgiveness that is waiting for them. If we don't tell them, they won't know. Unless you think you need to be perfect to be a disciple, remember the original 12, one of them betrayed Jesus, two of them wanted to sit next to him and jostled for position, and one of them thought that the best way to solve an argument was to cut someone's ear off. The bar is quite low for a disciple. We can all meet it. We just need to keep going. 2020 is a brand new year for us. And I know that for us and for quite a lot of people, 2019 was a bit difficult. We've had lots of different struggles in our personal lives that we needed to wrestle with. God tells us to let the problems of the day be sufficient unto the day. And he tells us to remember that his his mercies are new every morning. But sometimes that can be difficult to do. So I've brought something along that I thought some of us might need this morning. I brought my shredder. Sometimes there's stuff as we start a new year that we just can't get rid of. It's a pattern. It's a quarrel. It's something that happened the year before that is still making us really cross. Sometimes there's a sin we've been wrestling with. Sometimes there is something we are just sick of, a back pain. What I would like you to do, if you want to, I have placed lots of paper and pens at the ends of rows. In a minute, we're going to put on a song that reminds us that no matter what we go through, God is with us. But what I would like you to do, what I would encourage you to do, is write down... Something that you want to stay in 2019. Something you're done with. Something you're tired of. Something that is affecting you and you want it to stop. And then bring it while the music is playing and shred it. Be like Paul. Forget what is behind and press on towards the freedom that is waiting for us. 2 Chronicles tells us that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place, for I have chosen this temple 
and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honoured forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. At the beginning of this new year, I invite you to join me in the prayer that is coming up. This is not our usual prayer of salvation. This is a prayer of dedication, dedicating ourselves individually to God. And I believe that if you dedicate yourself to God, then he will watch over you because you are dear to his heart. Jesus, I give you my heart, my hopes, and my desires. I also give you my mind, my thoughts, and my ideas. I give you my strength, my body, and my energy. And I give you my soul, the deepest part of who I am. I yield all that I am to you today. Amen. And in the words of Revelation, as we finish and the band start to play, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever.